0: Pitchers, welcome to Pitch Slapped. My name is Kayleigh Hillier, and this is the Pitch Perfect podcast. Because I've been a fan of Pitch Perfect since I first went to the cinema and watched the movie, got the soundtrack, and then it was just hooked since then. It's been a whole roller coaster of a ride. Nine years. But that's kind of why today is a special episode. Because literally one year ago today, I released the first episode of pitchlapped. it is pitchlap's first birthday I feel like we need to celebratory music or something oh my word I can't believe that we've made it a year like I am astonished like when I started this project and I was like really nervous of. Putting it out there and thinking, oh, what are people going to think? Who am I? Like, I'm just some rando who's decided to do a podcast about Pitch Perfect. What are the people going to think about that? And it's been amazing. Kind of the nervous tension of releasing the first episode and what people were going to think. And kind of moving forward from there. I didn't think anybody would ever listen to it. I was just like, this could just be me rambling and fangirling and just gushing over fanfiction and what people are doing in the fandom and what the actresses or actors are doing and just having my own little like diary of all of that. But people like actually listened and like talked to me and people like responded to my questions and all the weird stuff I post up or like repost all over the internet. I can't believe that I've made it a year. I thought maybe I'll get a few episodes out and that would be it. But here we are one year later and uh, Pitch Slapped is still here. It's still going. Apparently we still have more stuff to talk about around Pitch Perfect. So I wanted to just kind of... So I kind of just wanted to take this episode... And celebrate the year that Pitch has had because I didn't think that people would want to get involved or that I would be able to kind of keep it going for as long as it's gone. And this podcast just wouldn't be what it was if I didn't have the people who are willing to come on, the creators who have kind of shared their thoughts or opinions or talked about their work been vulnerable kind of opening themselves up coming on the podcast or you guys for sharing your thoughts and your opinions on a remit of topics and some of them have been really serious and some of them have been like really quirky and weird and so I've kind of gone through looking back over the whole year at all the episodes we've done 50 episodes this is the 50th episode (laughs) like how like How have we got this far? It's crazy! A whole 50 episodes of Pitch Slapped. So I've gone back and I've looked through all the 50 episodes and like it's so hard to just pick out little moments because there's so many good things that we did. So I've kind of just drawn out a load of little bits and uh, have a little bit of a highlight today of literally everything that we got up to. So to start off, I wanted to just take it back to where it all began, because (laughs) I was like, just like really greeny, kind of making the podcast. And uh, yeah, so I went right back to the first episode where I kind of introduced myself and talked about Pitch Perfect. And this is literally kind of how it went. All right, pitches. I don't know how this is going to go. But we're gonna give it a shot because I've reached the point in this fandom where I can't just like sit by anymore and pretend like it's not the obsession of my life. So here we are, welcome to Pitch Lapped, the Pitch Perfect podcast. It's got a nice ring to it, that one, hasn't it? It's good. My name is Kaye Helia, and I hope that you can join me on this journey as we just celebrate the greatness that is this fandom. I have been a fan of Pitch Perfect for years. It's always been one of my favorite films, but it was only recently I didn't realize how now, I I've been a fan of other things, but I've never really delved into the whole fandom thing before. And it wasn't until about 2 like 18 months to 2 years ago when I was like at a really really low point and so I kind of like retreated back into stuff that I just absolutely love and one of those things is Pitch Perfect because it's the one film or series of films which I can just go back at any moment and completely enjoy and just get a lot out of it and I started watching the films again and I was like oh it's just it just wasn't enough and I was like I've heard things about the fandom from watching interviews and stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to look into this a little bit more. So all I did was like, I just typed the Chloe into a Google search and oh my word, like I was not prepared for what was going to suddenly blow up and what I was going to find. And all I can say is just, like, I am astonished at the dedication and the hard work that creators put in, that fans put in to this fandom. And I'm sure... I know it's the same in other fandoms, but it was, like, amazing to find people who loved it so much to create stories, artwork. People talk about it, and they talk about their favourite characters, what they're like. And I just found this whole world of people talking about Pitch Perfect, especially the fact that, like, it's something that I've always enjoyed but never really talked about with other people. These are, like, topics that I'll think about in my head and maybe, like, you know, think through myself but never really talk to anybody else about. And suddenly I've discovered that there are other people talking about it online and I'm like, oh, how did I not know this before? Gosh. Typical. And I... I feel like I'm so late to the game because obviously they're not making the movies anymore. And yet there are still dedicated fans doing it and doing it large. So I want to do this podcast to celebrate you guys and the amazing thick creators that are still cr- producing work, the amazing topics that we discuss online. And then also just like, because these actors and actresses are doing some great things and there's an amazing lineup in the Pitch Perfect movies of very, very talented people to just celebrate some of the great work that we get to see them continue in their careers. And so this podcast is going to be like a homage to that. There's going to be that space. I'm hoping I can do this regularly. It's going to be a regular thing, but we'll see how it goes. And I'd love for you guys to get involved. I'd love to be able to talk to some creators to be able to, to pay homage to some, Fiction that we read and some great creations out there, and we'll just see how it goes. Who knows where this is gonna take us? Because I have no idea. It's crazy to think that like a year ago I released that and kind of had all these goals of what I wanted the podcast to be, and I made it this far. Like we made Pitch Lap Last a year. Amazing. <laughs> I listened back to that episode now, and I'm like, oh my word, I was so nervous. So cheesy. And like, even little things that like developed from the episode, like, I ended up kind of really embracing the uh, pitch pipe sounds on my phone. I literally like have a little pitch pipe now on my phone just for the episode. So I can literally just be like, oh, what pitch shall we do today? Let's do a G sharp. Ah! I, I mean, it's a whole thing now, <laughs> I feel like I need to get an actual pitch pipe at some point just so that we can kind of embrace that whole thing even more. But I'm not going to go that far. I mean, like, we've had all these little progressions with the podcast and, like, me just kind of gingerly starting off and sharing my experience. We then went into, like, the Chloe week last year. And I knew very early on when I started the podcast that I wanted to feature creators because it was a big part of my fandom experience delving into Pitch Perfect even more and discovering this space. And the thing that really kept it alive for me was the people who were making content and contributing. And while I didn't feel like I was creative enough or talented enough to make my own stuff, I really loved embracing what people were making and what they were kind of developing out there. So that kind of led me to then contacting creators. I'm going to tell you, I was so nervous, like even now when I have to like contact people, I'm like, oh, I'm like imposing on their life and it's like a whole thing, but everybody's been like so up for it and like willing to give it a shot. And I don't know how like it all happened, but the fact that I just like picked a creator and it ended up being Red Lance and just kind of carried on from there, was amazing and i feel a bit sorry for red lance because literally like i didn't have a clue what i was doing and they happily came on the podcast to talk about their experience and luckily all like came together and it's fine but (laughs) but who knows how it could have gone so this is just like a little clip when i was talking to red lance and uh, talking a little bit about of course experimentation all i wanted to do was write a nice short trick was that the original plan for
1: experimentation it was going to be like yeah um like maybe 10 chapters oh wow and i'd be done at the core it's a relatively small idea and then it suddenly wasn't yeah things just kept happening and developing and then i had no control over the characters anymore at this (laughs) point they're like they're taking me on a journey not the other way around
0: I love that. I love that it started as this little idea, and and like you that you said, the characters are kind of run with it, and you're just yeah. kind of you're there just to write down their story. That is—it's exactly how it feels. It really is. That is fantastic. So, if we delve into experimentation things, I know that's what a lot of people kind of want to know about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where did where did the idea come from? Um, I think.
1: Literally, just Chloe's lying in the tent about wishing she'd experimented more in college. I remember the exact moment I left the theater and thought, okay, well, I need to address that immediately. Um, And they knew what they were doing putting it in the film. So (laughs) the rest of us just like ran with it. And I was one of the ones that ran with it. And I just happened to still be running after five years. So.
0: Yeah, because it looks like. Um, I mean, you started it in 2015, mm-hmm. which was that was the year that Pitch Perfect Two was released. So straight after the film came out, I think I started writing it like that, the night I went to see it. Really? Yeah. From the sounds of it, you already know how it's going to go. To a certain extent, you already have the bones of the fic in your mind.
1: We you could call them bones. Bones. <laughs> Fragments of bones. Yeah, um, I've had bits and pieces planned out, um, over the last five years. Uh, little things like I knew I wanted to include Becca making a mix for Chloe. And I jotted down snippets of scenes to flesh out later. Um, like the titanium scene at the hotel. Um, I bet I've had chunks of that in my notes before four years just waiting to be written um, and I still have stuff I haven't got to yet so I have stuff planned out to an extent but mostly it's just me waiting
0: Just waiting for them to tell you what the next bit of the story is as you go Pretty much, on. yeah
1: um, I figured out how I wanted things to end like nine months into writing it I didn't, like, have an ending when I first started. I was just like, let's see where this goes. And a few things have changed, but it's probably going to be pretty close to what I originally envisioned, hopefully, unless they do something drastic.
0: So you you already know the ending then? I know, yeah. Like, I know how everything's
1: going to come to a head, and I hope people like it.
0: So having creators on and being able to talk about their work has been a really, really exciting experience because I love just kind of delving into people's brains and like what inspires them and where they got to where they got to and like the decisions they've made and like the creative choices. I just think it's fascinating. And I've had so many amazing, talented people who have come on to talk about their work and like delve into it. And we've gone from some sublime to ridiculous questions. Like when I had Alicia
2: Mead on and uh, she
0: spoke about how she came up
2: with her name. It's a funny story because I mean, and I'll share it with with you and the, and the listeners because I've shared it within the fandom before. I just won't say what my name used to be. Many people will remember. But anyway, when I worked on a Broadway show, one of the actresses I worked on a, a video shoot with found me on Instagram. But turns out that actress went to college with, with Kelly from the cast. They were in like acapella together in college. So then all of a sudden I was like, oh no, that's like way too close of a cast member. Like she tagged me in a photo and everything. I'm like, I don't need Kelly being like, who is this person? And like, you know, you like living in a world of paranoia, ending up on like my Tumblr full of pitch perfect inappropriateness. So I literally was like trying to figure out what my name should be. And I probably had watched Clueless recently and Alicia Silverstone in like 1995 or whenever that movie came out was so beautiful and I was so obsessed with her as a teenager. And I have always loved the name. And so I, I like was like, I'm gonna be Alicia. And there was like a roll of packing tape on my desk by the brand Mead. <laughs> so I was like, I was like Mead is a last name. Um so I'm literally like Clueless tape is really the, the <laughs> what my first and last name uh screen name are uh, so it's not a very sexy story by any man, means but just was just obsessed with Elise, Alicia Silverstone and and her name.
0: It's also been really fascinating when talking to creators to discover how they got into fan fiction writing because they've all come from so many different backgrounds and experiences and it's always been really touching to kind of hear what fan fiction means to them and kind of where they've come from and why they write what they write. And one story that I always loved hearing was uh, from A Sweet Melody Trickling when they shared how they got into fanfiction writing. So when did writing start for you? So you started before the Pitch Perfect fan and you yeah. were already writing? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I always wrote little bits as a kid. Um, My granddad was big on writing and read a lot and he would bless him. He would send me little letters as a kid and say, this is a prompt that I want you to write. Like this is a storyline that I would love. Like I'm just going to give you two character names and I'm going to give you a setting and you're going to have to write just if you want to write a little bit for me and send it back. And so I used to like post some little, little stories. And so this is kind of, the grown-up version (laughs) of what my granddad did for me before prompt lists and you name it he used to just go hey give me send me a short story and see what you can do with it that's amazing yeah something that you kind of used to do as a child and it just yeah ongoing yeah yeah and it was and that's probably why i still do it so much is because actually you know he's not around anymore and there's a little connection there and he started me off on it and i know if he was still around, he'd be like, Oh my gosh, awesome work. Like not to say that it is awesome work, but as in he was just like my number one fan when it came to writing and doing anything. And so I can imagine he'd be well up for this.
0: Yeah. And it's it's really lovely as well that you found an outlet. Like you said, mm. when you yeah. you know, when you were at Union, you were very, very busy with your studies that you found yeah, something really busy. That you really enjoyed
3: that mm. was an outlet for you. Yeah. And I guess that's how and then going into work that's kind of how I, I, I would make myself time to write a little bit or even if it was a short one shot or part of a one shot eventually um, I'd always try and push myself to write a little bit. Do you find it therapeutic? Whole, I've always had quite a vivid imagination so the fun thing is being able to visualize what I'm going to write. I might be driving home from work or something and hear a song and think hey that'd fit with the Bacchloe situation, what can I come up with that? And then I'd come up with something and I'd just jot it down or write it quickly or not, in, not while I'm driving, um, I hasten to add, it's illegal to text and drive in the UK. But at some point I then jot it down.
0: I think it's fascinating that you find that balance because I know that you're quite busy and yeah, um, yeah that you have an outlet that you enjoy in your spare time as well you know this is not paid yeah. to do this is something no you it's do fun outside of work so yeah. It's fascinating
3: yeah no and I think um a lot of people say what are your hobbies what do you do in your spare time I'm like oh, I sit in a dark room and write fan fiction for people on the strange on the internet it's <laughs> 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 you know it's all good fun
4: as you do <laughs> as you do someone's gotta
3: do it so that's true Come that's mind. true <laughs> <laughs> Not
0: able have I been able to speak to so many creators, but one time I actually spoke to my cousin who did a cappella, and she's still really into a cappella, and was actually one part of a group called the Aquapellas who went to the ICCAs, and they are like UK national champions, like twice. Went to the ICCAs and actually had the whole experience, and so we had like a whole deep conversation around a cappella and the community. What it was like actually being in an a cappella group. And I loved kind of delving into that and discovering like the whole real world of what a cappella was. And here's just a clip of some of her experiences from being in an actual a cappella group. I think that's one thing talking to a lot of people in the fandom is that they love the community that is felt that these girls joined something and kind of created a sisterhood and they created bonds with each other. And to be able for you to have that experience in real life and know what acapella can do for you. Like like you said, the friendships that you've made, the experiences that you've had that you wouldn't have had any other way. It's exactly that.
5: When you have a shared love and a passion for something, it can really pull people together and you become very supportive of each other. And it, yeah, it is like you see them in the film. That is exactly how it is when you're in an acapella group. I mean, we had... Um, when we were recording Talos and um, we were looking for certain songs, we were trying to work out what song we wanted to put on the album at one point next. And we weren't really sure what to do. And um, one of the boys in the group, it was his first year in the group, and you know, we were all kind of still getting to know each other at that point. He'd probably been in the group for about four months. And he was looking through this playlist, trying to work out what kind of music we should do next. And he came across Everglow by Coldplay which is like a very like beautiful, beautiful song. And he was like, I love this song. And he showed it to our MD, Erin. And Erin was like, wow, yes, I love that song. I've always loved that song. I've always thought it would be, make an incredible arrangement and I've always loved to do it. And at that point, my friend, he turned around to Erin and, and a couple of our other friends. And he basically said that the song meant a lot to him because unfortunately the year prior, one of his best friends had passed away it meant a lot to him because it made him remember the relationship he'd had with this friend. And he shared that with all of us as a group. And it was a very emotional moment. And Erin, because of this story, decided that it was the right decision to create this song and to arrange it. And, you know, we did, and it's beautiful. And it was put on the album and it was dedicated to this boy, Joe. Joe, and it was just a very poignant moment. And it's actually something that makes you, you, make you realise that like you build such big relationships with people and it's not about the music anymore. It gets to a point where you just become friends and you become a family and you're all different ages as well. Like you think when you join an a cappella group, you might join in your first year of uni. So you could be like 18 when you joined an a cappella group and there could be people in that group that are, you know, up to 25, 26 years old, depending on like where they are. So you kind of build these like like a family, really. And, you know, that song became such a big part of our year and it got to the point, you know, we went to Broadway and we performed in the day after. It was like 10 o'clock at night and we decided we were going to go to the top of the um, Rockefeller Center. We stood on the top of the rock. And it was like dark and you could just see all the skyline around you. It was absolutely beautiful. And we just stood in a circle and we just shared this incredible time. We'd like performed on Broadway. It was amazing. And we stood in a circle and we sang Everglow together on the top of the Rockefeller Center, just in a circle. We weren't singing it to anyone. We were just singing it to each other. And it was just like one of those moments where like to be a part of it and to realize that like how much you all mean to each other, you know, you shared so much and, And, you know, you've shared the good times and the bad times. And I don't know, it brings you together in so many ways. And yeah, it definitely becomes like a family. It's, you know, that's how it is. And I guess, yeah, it's, it's how it is in so many areas and things. But I think that Pitch Perfect does kind of get it down to a T really when it shows these girls who come together and end up like loving each other so strongly because that is what it's like.
0: So, obviously, we've got people who are really, really big fans of Pitch Perfect. How close is Pitch Perfect to being in a real life a cappella group? I'd say very
5: similar. I'd say um, there are obviously things that are different. You don't tend to live all in the same house, especially <laughs> not in the UK
0: i love how that's where you start at like
5: (laughs) i'm gonna start with the basics you don't live together in a sorority house i don't know if they do in america maybe they do but in the uk you certainly don't you might live with one other person from your group but that is usually the maximum but in terms of like i was saying earlier like how you feel in the group like the relationships you build in that group that's very much the same as it is in Pitch Perfect. You do create these really tight relationships. You know, everyone is trying really, really hard to, like, do well competitively and to get further in the ICCAs. That's a big part of it. You're not necessarily having cardio sessions where you're running around an auditorium, but, like, you have lots and lots of rehearsals and stuff to kind of get as good as you can be. I've never quite found someone that's voice- as a woman, could drop that low. I don't necessarily think that that is something that's true. Um, but I think that genuinely, just like the competitive nature of a cappella is definitely like it is in the film. I think that the relationships you form, not only in your own group, but external, like a cappella romances are definitely a thing. <laughs> they are definitely a thing. So, you know, there are so many elements that are very, very similar. And, you know, there are some elements that are better, you know. The relationships you build are almost better than you see them in the films. These are friends that you kind of have for ages. It's very similar to Pitch Perfect, which I didn't quite realise until we had this conversation. Especially when I was talking about The Retreat and I was like, oh my gosh, that literally happens in the film.
0: Not only we had some amazing guests on the podcast, but we also kind of tried to delve into so many different aspects of the movies. From doing like song highlights and looking at certain songs, or halfway sort of through the year of Pitch Slapped I decided to kind of start doing like scenes from the movies and we've been working our way through Pitch Perfect One slowly but often I would like come up with ideas or topics that I wanted to talk about and then just put them online as questions and get your feedback and your feedback has made such an impression on the podcast because it just adds so many different ideas and opinions and I'll be able to kind of delve into topics And they could go from the sublime to the ridiculous and you guys always have such amazing things to say. One more recent episode I did was on minor characters who had the biggest impact. And on Facebook, someone actually mentioned Kimmy Jin. And this kind of blew my mind what the analytics of like Kimmy Jin's impact into the Pitch Perfect universe was. And I will just never forget this moment. But when you think about Kimmy Jin and the impact she had... Now, she's not in, like, a load of scenes, but I think especially of her early scenes. Obviously, later on, there's just, like, little quips and things about being Becca's roommate. But those early scenes with Becca in her dorm room and her dad could have played a big impact in what then happens with Becca Mitchell. Let's be fair. If we just take a look at it, the first scene, we've got Becca and Kimmy Jin in the room. Becca's having an argument with her dad. And I can understand poor Kimmy Jin just being like, What the heck is going on? I've just moved in and my roommate is arguing with their parents. So she bails by going to the activities fair, which then gives Becca the out to also leave. And so, it does make you wonder, would Becca have gone to the activities fair if Kimmy Jin hadn't given her the idea? If Kimmy Jin hadn't gone to the activities fair, do you think Becca would have gone? I don't even know if Becca knew the activities fair was going on. Probably not. I can't imagine she read up anything about college before arriving at Barden because she didn't want to be there. So, there's a real good chance. Like, my mind is blown right now just thinking about the fact that the whole movie may not have happened if Kimmy Jin hadn't gone to the activities fair. And we go from, like, serious questions to questions like that and about characters to some ridiculous questions that I honestly cannot believe that you guys actually responded to. And I am so thankful that you embrace some of the weirdness that I bring into Pitch lab. Because I ended up having a conversation one time with my friend, G, who uh, is ridiculously over-obsessed. And it was all about Bella's fruit, which <laughs> we, I mean, I originally just thought that this would just be like a little conversation between friends. But then I ended up tweeting about it and then ending up asking you guys on like Tumblr and Facebook and everything. And then it just created this whole thing which is what fruits would all the bellas be and you guys did not disappoint and it turned out that i was able to make a whole episode about this whole topic because the responses were amazing becca the initial reaction to becca was that becca was a pineapple yeah prickly on the outside but sweet on the inside which you know what i'm here for a lot of people do think becca is a pineapple well, I like that I definition, be though, of being prickly on the outside and sweet on the inside. Yeah, well, it she does... is. She's all
6: sweet for her family, but everybody else is like, nah, <laughs> leave me alone.
0: I, I have an issue with that, though, because I'm like, Becca's so small. And pineapples are like one that of the true. biggest fruits. That They are huge. They, they are huge. <laughs> but there's not like a necessarily small prickly fruit that you could Kiwi? go for. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of weird on the outside. Weird on the outside.
6: <laughs> well, they, I don't know how to describe it. They're like they're not quite prickly, but they're not
0: quite furry. They kind furry. of that weird in between thing. Yeah. Weird furry like fruit. Yeah. I I will premise it as saying the fact that we we're making an episode about fruit and I'm not a big fruit eater is uh, impressive. Oh, me It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to just put it out there into the per- pitch perfect sphere. Chloe and Stacey having a cherry <laughs>
6: Cherry tying contest. Oh no! Cherry
0: <laughs> dying. <laughs> Becky just like I don't know how to process any of this. <laughs> that was a surprising one. I didn't think mm. about for Chloe. Yeah. No, I like the. It's also a little bit like it's got a little bit of a punch to a cherry, hasn't it? Yeah. As well, which I think we can all agree, Chloe does have a. Have, she yeah. she's sweet. A little bit fruity. <laughs> well, we are talking about fruit. <laughs> what you- I was gonna say. Like I knew you were gonna do that to me but they are they're a little bit fruity you know um but they also have that like little sourness that yeah. can kind of kick in on the other yeah. side okay it's that kind
6: of like you don't really quite know what you're getting with the cherry
0: yeah <laughs> amy we did it yes as a cucumber because it's an okay. innuendo fruit yeah she'd make inappropriate jokes She'd enjoy poking Becca to annoy her. And she's into martial arts stuff like chopping.
6: <laughs> I love that. It's amazing. <laughs>
0: that's, that's so amazing. good. I love that. I love the fact that Lindsay on Twitter genuinely thought about their personalities and how they would fit yes. with like just taking that. aspects like Amy you know, with the nunchucks and being able to do all the things like yes. that happens in the movie so like it applies here to these fruits yes
6: me just mentally picturing a non-cucumber and being like i want to draw it
0: also <laughs> another thick idea amy annoying becca with a cucumber oh poking God, her yes. all the time <laughs> stacy mm-hmm. an aubergine <laughs> it's not a fruit though it's a vegetable is it, <laughs> is, it oh God, is, this, is this another one of those ones that we we just assume i don't know because i'm I thought that cucumbers you. were <laughs> but apparently not sorry. um but, but she says does this really need explaining it's an innuendo fruit she'd make inappropriate <laughs> jokes and she's leggy because she's a long fruit kind of yes yeah, it i really mean if it is no. a fruit that would probably win hands down but I don't I don't know. Is it is an aubergine a I fruit? Don't, I don't eat them, so I've no idea like, that they are gross. I don't think they have seeds in them, so I think it's a vegetable. Do we need to I Google no this? Idea. Is an aubergine a fruit? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. It's the excitement, the tension. Oh also, I just need to clarify, we're talking about an aubergine, but apparently that's not how you say it in the States. It's an no, eggplant in the states but we're talking about the same thing yes okay just to clarify aubergine eggplant, eggplant. the same so according to google because we we love a I good google, google fact while generally thought as a vegetable eggplant is actually a fruit oh That's well, blow you know. my mind this oh is oh blow my
7: God.
6: mind
0: <laughs> just like the strawberry thing all over again and Gosh, I feel like like we're learning things today on the podcast. Yes. it's becoming educational. No, we see that there, there was a point to doing this podcast. What did you learn from today's episode? Aubergines are apparently fruit. What the heck is a the vegetable <laughs> then? Like, are there anything that's actually a vegetable?
6: I haven't liked in my whole life is anything ever a vegetable?
0: Gosh. And not only do we learn things on this episode of the podcast, but we also then ended up creating what has now been affectionately known as Beccato. <laughs> and Beccato is now a thing, and it it will probably forever be attached to the podcast in some way. And, and I know G has had such a response from Beccato that, yeah, it is now just part of Pitch Slapped history. We were talking about, and
6: again, I, I do apologise to Redlands. um, we were talking about the clotato fic and then it kind of, my brain was like, but what if Chloe was a potato? And there's that whole, um, you say potato, I say potato thing in America, which is not, it's not a thing over here. We all say potato and it's fine. And I i think I was just messing about the next day and winding people up, because that's what I do. Um, and I was just like, yeah, you say clotato, I say baccato, and then this whole thing about Becca being a tomato turns up. <laughs> for the for the podcast, um, Keely's head, head head is in her hands. Like it, it's the whole thing. Um, the Bacato thing hasn't died, I would say. This conversation comes and goes, but Bacato has like endured the quiet periods. She's always there. Um, I drew potato and Bacato because apparently that's what I do now. That is my legacy, uh, It's um, the Bellas as weird things that aren't humans. It born seem. out of...
0: Uh, I, I hope Red Lance realises that this has now expanded into a yeah. weird space on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> to my
6: blog, in which I like to draw random things that the Bellas are. Be was
0: born. One aspect that I found really fascinating doing the podcast is looking at different ships in the fandom... Because obviously, Bacchloe is the big ship, and I love Bacchloe, but there's so many other couplings that people really engage with, and they make fan fiction about, draw pictures, like, do so many things over, and have a lot of thoughts over these characters. So I've wanted to kind of get to know some of the other ships in the fandom, because this is a a whole Pitch Perfect podcast. It's not just Bacchloe. So I kind of reach out every now and then. I've done... Uh, Family was a big one. I've done Jasly and Shawbury. And there are other ones that we haven't covered yet, but we've like featured like Strawberry and Junction in the fan fiction highlights and stuff. So like I'm sure there's more to come. But all of these spark such interesting conversations and also kind of allow me to kind of explore these new areas as I get to know other people and what they love in the fandom. One example though. of just kind of learning and getting to know these ships is as a podcast you have to say the names and um, sometimes they're not always easy because often people don't say them they just write them down whether I've got to try and read people's AO3 names or their writer names or their Tumblr profiles (laughs) and one name that I was so terrified to say was Corbry because I was like how on earth do you say this name? What do you people think it's said like? And amazingly, this has sparked like a whole thing since I asked the question because I got into a group chat who were like a Corbury group chat and basically sort of said, okay, guys, I'm doing this episode. How do you say the name? And I've mentioned this a number of times in different groups and it really does spark a whole debate. And like... I did not realise that people were going to be so passionate about how they say the name. And luckily, it did also just highlight to me the fact that, clearly, nobody is actually quite sure how to say the name. It's not just me just not being able to read it properly. So (laughs) I had Rabidnar join me on an episode to look at the ship that was Corbry. And I asked them this specific question because I thought, they're such a big Corbry fan they should be able to highlight and just enlighten us into how we say the name Corbree. Everybody seems to have an opinion on how it should be said. There's no like standardized, like this is the way. So for example, we've had Akka Tired on Tumblr who says, I've always said it with a hard C, but maybe I'm wrong. So that would be Corbry We've also had Ridiculously Over Obsessed who says I U C H. C-H. But if we go off of The way Chloe is pronounced is probably wrong. Also, what a cute name says. I say it like Aubrey, but with a CH sound in the front. We've also had Chawbery like Charmander. I like it. That is by Theron. And lastly, Snowflake19 says, It's like chair. It is, isn't it? Don't make me question my sanity. Well, we're going to make you question your sanity today, so, hands in like a Jalicia, how would you pronounce Chloe and Aubrey's ship?
7: I definitely pronounce it with the hard ZH as in Cobri. Corbrey.
0: I think then we can just all agree. I think from the source, it should be called Cobri. Can you just like give us a little explanation why you think it's said that way? I spoke to you on a group chat about this and I thought you had a really good explanation. Well, I feel like because ship names are always
7: the names of the two characters combined, it doesn't make sense to me to pronounce it with the soft ch because you don't say Chloe, you say <laughs> Chloe. So that would it would make more sense for it
0: to be Cobre. So that makes so much when you when you actually describe it. That makes so much more sense. Yeah, but you were also present for the whole argument on the group <laughs> chat where everybody had their own opinions and the reasons behind it. I I must admit, so I jumped into this Corbury or Chalbury group chat and I felt so bad because I asked this question and people were very opinionated on how it should be said. I was like, oh man, I don't, I hope they don't like hate me for like, Blowing up the (laughs) server. You definitely blew it up a little bit with that question. I have never seen it all (laughs) so heated over something. I mean, the weirdest one I I saw. I spoke to someone and they were said, "Well, why doesn't it have more of Chloe's name in it? So shouldn't it be called Clawberry? So it's C H L with Aubrey, and that just sounds really odd. That sounds really violent, like clobber. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't quite roll off the tongue quite as well. Clawberry. I feel like it has a lot of Aubrey's personality in it if it's, like, clobber. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Maybe. But I think we'll stick to uh, Corbry for today. I like it. Like you said, it sounds more like Chloe and Aubrey because, yeah, we don't say Chloe with a C-H. It just doesn't happen.
7: I don't think I've ever, like, seen a ship name where it's pronounced differently than the character's
0: actual name. So... From that moment on, I've been trying to say Corbury. I still get it mixed up, but like at least like I know that that debate will probably forever be there and people still have their own opinions on how Corbury or Chorbury or however you want to say it is said because we just don't know. Another ship that we dove into very very recently, literally last episode was Jessly, which is such a beloved ship. And to get somebody on who was so passionate about this ship was a real blessing. And so Nelly got on to talk to me about Jessley. And I think one of the things that really highlights to me when you have people coming on to the podcast is, you know, these are passions that people have, but also that this fandom and pitch perfect mean a lot to people and they they're not just kind of throwaway things. It's things that people have kind of really ingrained into their lives. And has really helped them through a number of different parts. So being able to hear her story and how Jessly or Chloe had helped them was really loved to hear, and I think it's something that I identified with, and hopefully other people identified with as well.
8: Yeah, well, I think a lot of it is the actresses that have kept it alive. I think they 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 love watching Jessly fan edits. They they're always open to talking about the ship. I told Kelly in twenty nineteen. How much Jessly meant to me, like uh, it helped me figure out my sexuality, as did the Chloe. I, I, I came out as bisexual after finding, like, discovering Jessly. I'm, I'm now lesbian, but at the time, I thought I was bisexual. And yeah, how it just helped me become more comfortable with it. And she said it meant the world to her, and you could tell how, how genuine she was being about that. I think one, of the, one of the biggest moments for me as a Jessly, a Jessly fan. What really like made Jesse quite mainstream was when Shelley revealed on the live stream there was supposed to be a Jesse wedding in the third movie. And like the whole fandom went crazy. Like, not just the Jesse fans, because it was it kind of added to the upset of the lack of Buck in the third movie with the lack of B'Chloe, the the cutting of the Buckhurry kiss. And everyone was just like rightfully furious at Universal for cutting it out. And although Shelley did say they were supposed to be sister wives, where they—that's you know, the weird practice where two women marry the same man. Uh, Kelly told me last year. She assured me she was pretty certain that they were meant to marry each other. So I don't know. I don't know which one is correct. I'm hoping for the latter, because that <laughs> would be a dream, wouldn't it? <laughs> that, I think. I think actually, it would be a very good start of a Pitch Perfect four, if you think about it. Like they need—they need a reason to come back together. Jessica and Ashley's wedding, right? But i got a really good idea where they send out the invitations and someone like becca opens it and just goes they were dating it would be really really funny i think it would work really well just you know if universal if you're listening at all or anyone's listening who wants to make the fourth movie
0: they're out into the universe
8: <laughs> yeah but yeah so kelly and shelly just love Jessly, and they love seeing us root for two char- their two characters
0: And I've been really grateful for everybody who's kind of contributed their thoughts to the podcast. I often get messages from people who want certain topics covered or will suggest ideas for episodes. And one such episode was the autism representation episode. I never thought I would do an episode like this one. And I remember getting the DM from another McCloy shipper and... I was so nervous about doing this episode because I was like, what if it goes wrong? Like, what if I can't cover this topic appropriately? You know, I, I want to be able to do it justice. So this was kind of a really nerve wrecking episode to put together. But the people who came on to talk to me, I had Ridiculously Overassessed and another Chloe shipper sharing different aspects of their thoughts on autism. And it was another way of highlighting to me just how important the fandom was and what it means to so many people and how they're able to use something like a fandom or fan fiction to explore aspects of their lives and being able to maybe see something that either wasn't there in the films or is not seen generally in the media and own their own space and so this is just like a a little clip from that episode where I was talking to another Chloe Shipper and autism representation. Was it daunting taking your own experiences and putting it into a fic?
9: Yes, the writing part was simple because I lived it. I wasn't really sure what people were going to think. I also was very open about it being my daughter because I was also, you know think I had said I didn't want people to think I didn't know what I was talking about. I'm like, no, I live with this all day, every day. Um, yeah, it was scary, but it was also kind of cool to put my story out there. And But at least there's there's some anonymity to it, which is cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: One thing that I, I really appreciated from the story is you tackle it from a parent perspective, almost in, in the form of Chloe, and that you're very honest with the ups and downs that Chloe has to go through, just from a parent's perspective. Like you mentioned... When you had your daughter, it was not like something you would have ever thought of and maybe you're blaming yourself for the development, it's not really your fault, it's just the way your child is and learning how they interact with the world and what they need to help them interact with the world and things like that. I just thought was really fascinating because I can imagine that's exactly what a parent would go through and to kind of see it through Chloe's eyes was really, really fascinating.
9: Yeah, i tried to be honest because, uh, you know, a lot of us will put on a brave face I generally do and it's also it's a lot easier to be positive Um, I also use humor my daughter's kind of hilarious sometimes she doesn't necessarily mean to be some of the weirder stuff my daughter does is kind of funny (laughs) Um, you know of course I always say it in jest and I'm never actually making fun of my own kid but you know sometimes it helps to find the humor in everything
0: definitely yes. so why is representation of autism important to you
9: because you don't see it that much um if you do you either see somebody who's so severe they're nonverbal, they're banging their head against the wall and they're in an institution or somebody's telling their parent or whoever they should be in an institution or you get somebody like rain man my daughter is not a math genius she's good at math but she's she she can't drop toothpicks and tell you how many are there and then I think think the good doctor is about somebody with autism. My daughter is not a doctor. She is not going to be a doctor. Um, yeah, so people either think they're just quirky and, you know, have superpowers or, or super smart or they're, you know, just kind of sitting in a corner rocking and banging their head my daughter kind of falls in the middle and also she's a girl you don't see that many girls with autism in the media which which i do get i appreciate that because it is more boys there's not a whole lot of representation of autism and it's definitely nobody i see that's like my daughter
0: and as part of that episode as well i didn't kind of know how it would go but I was able to actually speak to another Chloe Shipper's daughter, Sarah, who is autistic and who obviously has been an inspiration to another Chloe Shipper and what they've written. And it was such a lovely kind of experience to be able to speak to Sarah and actually like connect with her about Pitch Perfect. And so here's just like a little clip from that because I just loved this conversation and I wasn't sure at the time whether or not to include it into the podcast episode. I ended up including it in the end, but I was like, oh, is this like more of a private thing? Or is this something that maybe other people should hear? And I kind of came to the conclusion that we'd spoken so much about another Chloe Shipper's fic, Chloe and the music therapist. And so the fact that this a lot of this was inspired by her life and her experiences with her daughter being able to just kind of humanize and just share a little bit of the daughter as well was a really special experience and i know that that's kind of why i felt like i needed to include that in the episode and it was kind of just really special so here's just like a little clip from that so i'm very excited to speak to sarah hey hi Hi. thanks for joining us you are welcome I am so glad that we could talk about Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Who is your favorite
9: character? Mine is Aubrey. Aubrey. Why do you like Aubrey? She yells on the bell
6: and she busts the bells
0: around. That's true. She's very good at her job. (laughs) My favorite character is Becca. That's cool. What do you like about Pitch Perfect? That the bell for her and
1: colors at the first one. And already gets to
0: see some bellas. Yes. (laughs) I also really love the songs. Do you have a favorite song from the movie? Yes. Mine is I saw the sign. That's awesome.
9: You know, I we'll think will pretend mom wasn't old enough for you know that to be her <laughs> jam in high school.
0: My, I think my favorite song is uh, "Just the Way You Are" by Bruno Mars. Oh, that's cool. So, what was your favorite part
6: of the movie? Dad, Bagel was kissing
0: Chloe. Oh yeah,
9: <laughs> that's what really that awesome. happened on
0: hood night. <laughs> that was at hood night. Yeah. So we've had some like really serious conversations of looking at some deep topics on the podcast that I never thought that I'd end up covering. I am so grateful for those who kind of were willing to share their stories and experiences to kind of make that possible. And also, it was able to highlight the fact that these are topics that people do cover in fan fiction and try to give a voice to. That's nerve-wracking in itself. Like, for all those people who've decided or felt compelled to cover topics that are difficult to do. So fair play to everybody who has a go, because it's not easy. We also just like had episodes where we just cover some weird topics. Obviously we did the fruit episode, but there's also things that happen in the fandom that I wanted to know more about and just kind of like, get to know more about these creative opportunities. And one of those was Horror Week that I was so intrigued by, and horror's not necessarily like a big topic that I've really gone into that much. And I was a little bit like, oh, am I the right person to talk about horror because I don't know anything. Luckily, Unholy Big, who helped to bring Horror Week together, spoke to me and we really got deep into the horror topic. And one aspect of that conversation, we like, decided to look at Final Girls and I just loved just getting their thoughts on the Bellas as Final Girls. Okay, so if the Bellas were in a slasher movie, which ones would survive, and which ones would die because there is like mm-hmm. an order isn't there in a slasher movie? One hundred percent
10: uh the person who has sex first dies immediately, so Stacy and I'm gonna say Cynthia Rose, they're both out they're <laughs> <gone>. <laughs> um I think that middle grounds good middle grounds maybe is Jessica and Ashley like they could definitely get like if we're talking about like horror anthology, like show wise, episode two or three, one hundred percent. Like they're the nice neighbors that happen to die, and then uh, I think after that, Chloe and Emily they gotta go. They're out.
0: The two nicest characters are gonna not gonna make it. They're not, and I feel like
10: I feel like Emily goes before Chloe does. <laughs> I, Chloe has that dark side, so I feel like she's got that smarts going on. Uh, not that Emily doesn't, but I feel like Emily would be like, you know, let's make friends with the killer. What if we find out why they're killing people and try to fix it? And Chloe would just be like, okay, I'm kind of on your side, but if we don't within the next hour, we have to run. So I think Emily and then Chloe, and I think the top spot, the final girl, is between Aubrey and Becca because they're kick-ass. <laughs> Sorry for the language, but they are, um, and I feel like one of the things that bothered a lot of people in Pitch Perfect 3 was the fact that Aubrey didn't fight back. Like, I was like, girl, you have military training. Why are you just sitting there freaking out? Like, hug Emily more, but also, why are you just sitting there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I spoke to a lot of people, and they're like, in an apocalypse, if there was an apocalypse AU, Aubrey would be the one with the big guns.
10: Oh, 100%. She'd be the one that would, like, control everything. Yeah, Aubrey would make it to the end, 100%. That guy, I feel
0: like, would, too. It's fascinating that it is those two that you would have survive, And um, I could totally see it, though, because, like, they are the two that you can throw the most horrific things at and you can <laughs> write it, like, whenever you see stuff written. It's usually Becca or Aubrey that go through a whole heap of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like people do that
10: because they're like, oh, we can't do that to Chloe. <laughs> they're like, oh, no, we can't do that to Emily. But what if we did? But no. <laughs>
0: It's just, it's so much. At Christmas, I wanted to kind of take it a little bit further because we'd spoken about fanfiction so much. We'd covered things like Horror Week and we looked at ships and I was like, what could I do that's maybe a little bit more special for Christmas or Pitchmas, as we like to call it in the Pitch Perfect fandom. (laughs) I had this idea and a lot of people like messaged me being like, oh, Lily, I find your voice relaxing or whatever. And I was like, how? How is my voice relaxing? I have no idea. <laughs> People wanted me to read a fic and I I was like, really? Like, what? I'm not a, I'm not a professional voice actor. I, I mean, I could give it a go. And so, I asked the author Isa Cabrell or Snow on You on Tumblr if I could read one of their fics on the podcast and they agreed and I mean, that's like a whole thing. This is something that somebody has written and they're letting me just like read it out and hopefully I did a good job. Like it was a really like fun experience to be able to have a go and maybe bring this to life. And I'm not by any means a sort of voice actor or like professional reader. I mean, I struggle anyway reading things, let alone trying to read a whole fic out loud. And you do not want to hear the the edits of that because I must have read everything like so many times. And then also like you had to do like certain voices which I was terrible at but the fact that they let me actually read their fic out on the podcast was a very special experience and who knows maybe I'll do it again sometime but it was just kind of like almost having like a little audiobook experience on an episode and that was just really really cool and so uh, here's a little clip from my night before pitchmas episode where i read christmas must be something more by isa cabrel becca simply groaned again still not opening her eyes just distract her while i make coffee okay fine becca grumbled finally opening up her eyes they've been doing this routine for a while now I'm up. Good. The room was lit up by their bedtime lamp. Enough for Becca to see her wife's soft smile. Don't be long, babe. Chloe gave her a sweet good morning kiss and made her way out of the bedroom. I won't. Becca called out on her backside. And don't forget our matching PJs. Becca couldn't hold on to her grumpy facade at being forced to wear a red and green candy cane onesie when she spotted her daughter sporting the same outfit and Chloe's blinding grin. Mama! the little girl exclaimed. Merry Christmas! She had recently conquered her R's and still made Becca's chest inflate with pride whenever she heard it. Merry Christmas, munchkin! she exclaimed back, as chirpy as she could at this ungodly hour. "'Santa came!' Emily pointed excitedly, looking at the tree in wonder. "'He did?' Becca feigned surprise, picking up the little girl for a snuggle. "'Whoa, look at all those presents!' "'Yeah!' Emily yelled right in Becca's ear, making her wince at the volume. "'Presents for Emily? Why don't you go check?' She put her daughter down and sat on the rug next to the tree, making herself comfortable because she was sure they wouldn't be getting out for a while. Bring them here so we can open them as soon as Mummy is done with breakfast. Mummy, hurry! Emily shrieked as she ran towards the lit-up Christmas tree. Emily, indoor voice! Becca scolded, internally agreeing with her daughter's request for Chloe to join them sooner rather than later. Literally, as I was pulling this episode together and it was literally going to be the night before Christmas, Ridiculously Over Obsessed had shared a recording of them doing the night before Christmas. And I was like, dude, can I put this on the podcast? And they said yes. And so not only did I have me reading like a Christmas story, I then had G reading (laughs) the night before
11: Christmas and it just became like a whole thing. Down the chimney St. Pitchmas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur, from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot, a bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and a pitch-pipe hung from a chain on his sack. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him, in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. But he spoke not a word as he went about his work, and filled all the stockings, his lips in a smirk. Upon close inspection of the presents that were left, I found that Nobella would be left bereft. For Aubrey, books on the acapella skills she hones. For Becca, a shiny new pair of headphones. Gymnastic lessons from an expert for flow. For Chloe, over a dozen sticks that glow. Stacy gets a chemistry kit and cream for cuticle care. Lily gets knives not marred by wear and tear. A pride flag and Rihanna tickets for Cynthia Rose. Emily gets tickets to all the hottest Broadway shows. For Amy, some advice on not always acting so rashly. And name tags to tell apart Jessica and Ashley. Laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle, but I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, "Very Pitchmas to all, and to all a good night.
0: And I must admit, doing the podcast has really allowed me to get to know people in the fandom and has opened up opportunities to, to things that I didn't think that I would ever have. I've been so grateful for that and grateful for the people that I've met and the friendships that I've made. And allowing me to have experiences that just are bizarre. And one of those bizarre experiences <laughs> was when I took part in a Pitch Perfect quiz. Ridiculously overobsessed, obsessed green-eyed weirdo, and Chloe Beale, all on Tumblr, joined me as we took part in an actual Pitch Perfect quiz And it did produce some very memorable moments, including these, where things just didn't go quite right on the quiz. And as an avid Pitch Perfect fan, we were a little bit livid with some of these mistakes that the quiz people were making. As we're going through the questions, we started off in Pitch Perfect 1. Like, it was all going really well. Questions (laughs) like, Chloe announced that she had a medical condition. What was it? Who's good at horizontal running? And then... There was this one question that I think suddenly it was like, actually, they don't know what they're talking about. And the question was, <laughs> what year was Barden founded? <gasps> oh, oh
1: my
6: God. and madder again. And I was like, oh my God, here we go again. People brace yourselves. So we, we no, thought we had so, this, we were so, so
12: set.
7: Yeah, because Carter like literally sent us a picture of a like a Baden uni- University shirt like the day before the quiz and yeah. it had like the year that it was founded on it. Yeah. And we were all just like, yeah, yeah, we we know this and <laughs> we like put that on the screen with our whole chest, and then suddenly it was like, No, that's wrong. It's like, excuse me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what year did they say that it was? Nineteen
6: fifty five is when they said it was
0: then. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanna know where they got nineteen fifty-five from i have no literally. idea because it's
7: literally like on the website like it literally says founded in 1907 and that's on the like you know they have the like little wikis for everything so they have the pitch perfect wiki and whatever and it's literally on there so surely if you're going to get your
0: answers from anywhere for like a quiz that's where you're going to get it from we were all like wait have we got this wrong like what is happening I'm, like we yeah. were like second guessing like i'm pretty sure it's 1907 What is happening? And there's like a little chat bar on the side where people are like talking all the teams are chatting and they're all kicking off over this question (laughs) like, uh, no. Me like,
6: (laughs) me like, (laughs) but the t-shirts all say 1907 and then like the chat like blew up and I was just like, oh, okay yeah (laughs) i feel better now
7: yeah so they corrected themselves at least then they were like okay everybody that said 19 out of 7 you can have it and it's like yes we can have it because we are right
6: (laughs) exactly you can have it oh that's very generous of you to give us
0: the right answer yeah they then asked this question who said this i will do whatever it takes to get us back to the top and what did they what was the problem with this question g because Everybody was freaking out in the chat about this question, right?
6: On the for some of these questions, they'd be like, "Who said like this quote?" So like, uh, I'll do whoever it takes to get to the get us back on the top, and like it gives you like four pictures of the characters. So it was like um, Becca, Amy, Aubrey, and then where I assume Stacey should
7: have been. was a picture of Chloe, and I was like, None of these people. None of these people <laughs> said that oh gosh yeah so we were like we can't press any of them because it was none of them and we're like yelling like even though the people in the game like can't hear us we're just like yelling <laughs> and then but fortunately everybody like was in the chat then like it's stacy it's stacy yeah. the correct answer is not that it's stacy <laughs> yeah
6: it's like we're also sort of like it's stacy you idiots
7: yeah so that's why were- kaylee then like tweeted a picture of like <laughs> was it was it Stacey and it was like look everybody is Chloe b or,
0: or like the other way around. It was like Chloe, I'm like look everybody is Stacey because <laughs> they genuinely like put the answer down as it being Chloe. So like it was like how how did you how did this happen? Yeah, and they'd also they also weren't reading the
7: chat obviously because when the like timer was done for that question he was like really like confidently like oh nobody got that right it was chloe and we were all just like excuse me (laughs) how dare you it was not chloe chloe was too busy freaking out and doing an aubrey okay we know chloe beale i am chloe beale on tumblr.com <laughs> Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> i know exactly i know she is my url <laughs> so that was that was very annoying that was just as annoying as the founded in 1955 or whatever it was exactly oh what was worse do do a pitch perfect quiz know the so- oh. know your subject area mom the Not founded thing was general. worse. I don't know why, but the founded thing was worse. I think it was because it was the first thing. And then that just like stuck in my head for the entire like game. Every time we got an answer right, it was clouded by the fact that we'd gotten this founded thing
1: wrong.
0: <laughs> 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 I couldn't celebrate because I was too upset about that. What was worse as well is the fact that Barden is written all the, all over the place. It's not like it was just like, oh, you got a character on you. It was a few years out. No, this was like a good, like, almost 50 years difference. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, is it worse that poor Chloe got mistaken for being Stacey Conrad or that they forgot Stacey Conrad existed?
7: <laughs> I have no idea. I feel like it's sad that they forgot about Stacey. I feel like Chloe would have been like... She would have been very like proud to have somebody who would have thought she was Stacy. She's like, yeah, this really pretty. Like, it's kind of like, like Stacy. You, you can think I'm Stacy. That's fine. <laughs> the, the fact that they forgot Stacy is like just nasty.
0: The strawberry shippers out there were robbed
7: with <laughs> them thinking Stacy
0: like no longer exists. Yeah, it was a sad moment for poor Stacy comrade. One of the ones that really like I think shocked everybody and it wasn't necessarily the question but it was what happened after the question one of the questions was name the commentators john and blank which Hell. is, of course, scale, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, like, in between some of the questions, the MC will, like, give you a little bit of trivia knowledge on some of I'm the stuff. Nervous. So I feel like Ellie should maybe tell us what happens because she, she <laughs> oh, genuinely no. got upset at this moment.
7: <laughs> so this is not even going to make any sense to, like, most people because it's just, like, a really, like, British soap called Coronation Street. It's very northern British soap at that. And... <laughs> I
6: can't believe we're talking about Corrie on a pitch perfect
7: podcast. I can't podcast. believe you see that, but we are. <laughs> anyway, so the, so the like host guy was like talking about Elizabeth Banks and how she wrote the movies or something. We're like, well, she didn't, but okay. Anyway, yeah, and he was like, also, did you know she was actually in an episode of Coronation Street? And we're just like, what? So we like. Yeah, so we like looked it up and then i was like dude she literally was in an episode of so i'm like googling it and everything it turned out it was like this other oh, like really like random british elizabeth bangs <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> so we were really under the belief for like a solid like two minutes the fact that elizabeth bangs was in a british soap and the guy who was doing Ooh, the quiz, cool. he believed it. And I assume he still believes it to this day. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks was in Carnation Street and no, we just not. have not been over that we have not we have not gotten over that since and i'm pretty sure we are never going to get over that no. she in fact went and like researched <laughs> british elizabeth <laughs> Banks for hours i cannot find a photo of this woman anywhere it's like does she even look like
6: the american one and it's like i don't know because i cannot find her anywhere No
7: conspiracy I'll theory. if are off chance that
6: she's listening to this if you are the british elizabeth <laughs> can we please have a photo for scientific purposes
7: <laughs> yeah no my conspiracy theory is that it is actually elizabeth Banks, the american one <laughs> And she just wanted to be under she to be low-key, and she didn't want anybody to find her. So she just came to England and acted in a bunch of like non.
6: I was looking at, at the British one's IODB. she was in like things like um, the bill and uh, things like that. And I was like, this could not get more British if you tried. What are you doing? amazing yeah, have, like london's burning which hasn't been on for years but he's also a very british
7: drama and it was yeah. like this is what is happening yeah so honestly none of this is going to make sense to like a lot of people listening to this but honestly it was like it oh. threw us
0: <laughs> well like like you said the guy was completely serious like he yeah. was ju- and yeah. he kind of quite chuffed that he knew this like underground <laughs> knowledge of elizabeth Banks, yeah. and you know he started off being like oh you know she directed and wrote the movies and did you know that elizabeth bank was in coronation street once and, <laughs> and we're all just like, like genuinely like was she in coronation street i didn't know this <laughs> what and yeah, it's uh, like, yeah. like a paramedic <laughs> <laughs> losing a mind for like a full oh like god. 10 minutes it was worse because then when ellie looked it up and it was there was an elizabeth banks in coronation street i was like this is amazing <laughs> I was like, everything i've ever known i was like oh my god yeah this big hollywood actress actually came to the uk and was in an episode of <laughs> coronation oh street amazing like what a weird and wonderful like show to go on we were all genuinely shocked like there was just a moment of just being like I don't know how to consume this information. And then as you went further down the rabbit hole, you were like, oh, wait, uh, it's a different Elizabeth Banks. It says on the Coronation Wiki page, not to be confused with American actress Elizabeth Banks. And having this many people on an episode, it was just bedlam. Like, like, I feel like this was just like such a chaotic episode, but it just came together so well. And it does seem that some of you also just really enjoy just... Either the absolute bedlam of some episodes or just me making a fool of myself because I'm awkward and we like to embrace my awkwardness. During the new year, I decided to set myself the challenge of doing like a best of 2020 episode and I wanted to kind of highlight things that had happened during the year and things that the actresses were doing but also things in the fandom and as part of that I was like, hey, like I could properly Look into the fan fiction or whatever and get some like best of and like top 10 lists and let's like, see how this goes. And so I set myself the challenge of doing this and got it all prepared. And one thing that has will forever plague me, I think, after doing this episode is that people just got a lot of joy out of me reading summaries of Fix, especially because the one-shot list from AO3 was literally all smut fix, like and, and it doesn't matter that it's a smut fix because you know what like you do you pitch perfect fandom but I was not prepared for having to read the summaries of some of these fics and the fact that even in the summary it's just awkward to read so please enjoy this uh This moment as we relive it again because people will bring this one up to me so many times when i pulled up the list for the one shots from 2020 on ao3 i was all i will say about this list is man the pitch perfect fandom is a thirsty bunch i mean seriously i think they're almost all mature fix so please bear in mind if you are younger you might not want to look at this list of fix it's literally smut there's not really a lot else i can say about this list It's is like unadulterated smut the amount of smut fix in this list is uh yeah it's a whole it's a whole thing <laughs> at number six high speed connection by alicia mead the summary says so becca is a bit of an exhibitionist so what What could possibly happen when she decides to play with Chloe while she Skypes with Aubrey? At number five, we have got Have Your Cake by Alicia Mead. The summary says, I want you, Becca grins and pulls her close. Words spilling out without thinking. I want you and her. At number four. Four letter word by TMYLM. This is another fit from January in 2020. The summary says, there are probably better times than during a fight to say I love you for the first time, but it was a stupid fight anyway, and they have been dancing around these three words for way too long. And at number three, Taken by Surprise by Alicia Mead. The summary says, a nice little prompt, Chloe strapping up, sat on a couch, Becca straddling and riding like there's no tomorrow. At number two, Before we start the day, dear, I'm whispering in your ear by Chloe. her. The summary says, literally just says this, Chloe wakes Becca up. That's it. That's all you're getting. And at number one, from March in 2020, Because we don't give a damn about a thing by Alicia Mead. The summary says, Lots of socially distanced folks wanting Chloe to just roar Becca. So here we are. Read the tags. I mean, what else do you want me to say? I feel like, I feel like that just kind of summarized the whole list here of the one shot list. The top one shots of 2020. Man, you guys, like seriously. So yeah that happened and can I just say when I was recording that episode my parents came in and were downstairs and I was like dying as I had to read these summaries out and hoping that they were gonna like ask questions so yeah that was a whole that was a whole awkward disappointment <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen this year hey I mean I I don't know if there's been that as many uh, smut fics that I will have to worry about reading but I suppose I'll find out we'll see And speaking of highlights from 2020, I think as we kind of round off the highlights for Pitch Slapped this year, I've been blessed with some very iconic moments that have happened in the fandom. And I think we had thought that a lot of the major things from Pitch Perfect already happened and that was going to be it. Literally, like, when I released the podcast, the third episode was the Love on Top episode. They literally released Love on Top. And so... I was like, whoa, Like this is an actual like, real-life thing that's happening right now. Got to talk about it. And I thought that was going to be the highlight of the year, but it wasn't. Because a few months later, we were then blessed as the fandom kind of melted as the Bacchloe kiss was leaked online. And I knew that I would need to do an episode around the Bacchloe kiss. I mean, how could you not? And it just allowed for... Bedlam to ensue. This is probably such a chaotic episode that I put together because I wanted to speak to like a range of people in the fandom So I really wanted to get people's reactions, but also what it meant to them and we had like the fact that I was able to make a Whole episode around like a 10 second clip I spoke to like five different people and pulled together like hours of footage to make what this conversation was I think really gives testament to what Pitch Perfect means for a lot of people. And so I was able to speak to a number of creators. We had Redlance, we had iPhone, we had Aubrey Posner Esquire, we had Sketchy Wave, we had TMYLM, all come on and share their reactions and thoughts to the iconic kiss. So here's just some highlights from that episode. I think they just
13: licked the Chloe kiss. What? What? Sway, slow down! Excuse me, ma'am. Ma'am. Like, she lifted her up and everything. I want it on a t-shirt. Like, the leg,
7: and then the dip, and the sway. (laughs) Oh my god, the lift! (laughs) The lift! I don't know how to cope with this! She says that all the time now in my head. It was
0: wonderful. (laughs) So what was your favourite moment of the kiss? Hmm. I feel like there's so much of it that you can
12: just, like, pick apart. Mm -hmm. Because, like, obviously Becca initiating things finally, because I don't think it could have been any other way, because Chloe wasn't ever going to do it, because she's waited this long. So, yeah, there's a lot to process.
8: But I think, if we're just talking surface level, favourite moment, leg grab, 100%.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the moment where it's just like, Yes. Like, you didn't think it was going to get any better, and then they Mm -hmm. just kind of had that leg grab in there Mm -hmm. near the end. And it's not even just a leg grab. It's a leg grab and a lift. Oh my god, the
6: lift! The lift! That's a separate entity on its own! I don't
12: know how to cope with this. Oh
4: my god. Like, if I had so little hope for this to come out, I wouldn't have had... Like, it's obviously not going to come out in two years. But now I have the slightest hope that it will come out in better quality. So I'm mad at them for giving me hope. I'm telling you, I made this joke uh, a few times already. Um, But aliens were on the list before the Becloy for me. I will say there is a moment,
13: my fate, my absolute favorite moment of the entire clip is there is a moment when Anna Kendrick and Britney Snow turn into Becca Mitchell and Chloe Beale. It's when they're basically exchanging where their hands are on each other. Leg grab. Yeah. Well, it's before, <laughs> it's before the leg lift, which is also excellent. Like, great method acting, ladies. But there's this great moment where, like, you see the character switch. You see Becca, like, start to not have the control. You see Chloe start to take the control which I think affirms a lot of people's beliefs of who the more dominant personality in that relationship is. Not that anybody thought that Becca was anything but a bottom, but bless, <laughs> bl- bless those who tried. <laughs> but you have this like really cool thing of like, you see a moment of it and it's like literally like three seconds. But I think that moment it's that bittersweet moment of like, this is awesome that we get to see this, but why do we only get to see three seconds of this? I love that moment of just those characters coming out for just a, a split second before Anna Kendrick is trying to climb Brittany Snow like a tree.
7: No, that's Chloe like pulling Becca in. It's not Kendrick trying to climb I, Snow. <laughs> I'm very happy with it. It surpassed my expectations. It beat mine. It was <laughs> just a peck in my head. So yeah. Still recovering. Um, still recovering. Always gonna
4: still be recovering. <laughs> what does it mean to you? I mean, it's twenty seconds, but it's uh, eight years pent up into twenty seconds. It, it's less the kiss itself and more the emotion around it, of the anticipation of it. Honestly, it's it means a lot. I've this fandom has helped me through some hard times, like. On a personal level, uh, Pitch Perfect was like the music and stuff. It helped me get through some a lot of things and it helped me sort of leave my real life and delve into something, this, that I love and and like connect with the characters. And it was like, it's not the kiss. It's, they finally, like I finally got it. It's finally... Like, the cycle that I've been waiting for is complete. Like, it, the anticipation has been resolved, and it's, like, this amazing feeling. So, yeah, it was an emotional journey, this whole thing.
7: For me, it was, like, just going to maybe change how I, like, write thick, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to, like, see the, like the ship any differently or, like, the fandom any differently. It was mostly just, like... Like I said before, like I wrote that thing about like Becca was like really timid, and now I'm gonna be like, oh, so maybe she's not that timid. Maybe she's gonna like take more control of it. Like it's just gonna affect my writing more than anything. I think.
13: I think for me, I feel better about the ship because they got the moment, and because it matters so much to them, I feel a little like I. It takes a little bit of like that niggling in the back of my brain off. Uh,
8: that's yeah. I mean, it means a lot to me. Like. Uh, fandom itself is pretty digital anyway, but even in the pandemic, it was easy to feel very isolated. Um, and being able to kind of connect with the fandom in this way definitely made me feel a lot better. Um, Kind of the same. Yeah, it means a lot
12: just because I think I've spent so many years like in the fandom, creating within the fandom. Anything that would have happened would have meant a lot because it's part of me and who I am and it I don't even yeah there aren't words that quite describe what it means especially to like somebody who you grow up with like no representation and people don't they didn't do this stuff like the fact that Kendrick even initiated this thing because she knew that the fans wanted it People didn't do that, like, 10, 20 years ago. That's not something that happened. So it's just, it's nice to see, and it's a, I feel blessed.
0: It's one thing that I've absolutely loved about this year of doing the podcast is being able to share my love for Pitch Perfect and what Pitch Perfect means to me and being able to share that with other people and their fandom experience, what these films had brought people together and allowed them to experience and is a big part of people's lives. That these kind of 10, 11 awesome nerds that we watched over three movies, one music video, and a little grainy clip (laughs) has meant so much to so many of us. And I get the privilege of being able to speak to some of you and hear about what it means to you Hear about why you create what you create, what fics you enjoy, what fics have been made on a range of different topics, and how fan fiction and the fandom is a vehicle to be able to express yourself, to feel seen in some way that maybe you don't feel seen in real life, and to be able to explore things in a safe space that maybe you couldn't do anywhere else. And so I am so grateful for all of you for listening for the past year for Pitch Slapped. We made it a year and happy birthday to Pitch Slapped. I am so grateful for all of you for listening, for everybody who's taken part in just bringing this together. Because honestly, this wouldn't be what it was and it wouldn't be what it is now if it wasn't for all of you giving your opinions, sharing your thoughts, coming onto the podcast and just being willing to share your fandom experience your thoughts on these characters what this movie franchise means to you i've met some amazing people along the way i have made some really really good friends and also met someone who's really special to me so the podcast has like blessed me with a lot of things as i've been able to get to know the fandom and get more into it so it just means so much I'm so grateful for the podcast and the Pitch Perfect fandom who's let me just kind of invade its space and nerd out with all of you and may we be able to continue and just I mean we've only got up to the shower scene in Pitch Perfect 1 as we've been doing a watch through there are like so much more of Pitch Perfect 1 and two other movies to break down and talk about so I am all here to keep on going I would love to hear from you if there's anything you would love to see on the podcast as we kind of go into the second year and hopefully sort of bring more elements in, try new things, cover other topics, like let me know, I'm always here to uh, just explore and see where we can take the podcast. If you want to keep up to date with Pitchlapped in any way, obviously we are on most social medias so you can keep up to date with us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and we do have the Ko-Fi account if you did want to contribute anything and I'm really grateful for people who have very graciously sent money in to support the podcast. It really helps and I'm sort of saving up to like upgrade the equipment (laughs) as it keeps going. (laughs) So it means a lot that you guys even think that it's worth that in some small way. Thank you so much for letting me just nerd out for the past year and i hope that we can keep on going i'll see you next time pitchers.